0: Well, good morning again, it's James Henry, the pastor at St. James, and this morning's message, uh, we're taking a look in Genesis. Last week we were in Acts, now we're back to Genesis. Um, I look back on my ministry at St. James and have enjoyed and am looking forward to whatever future I still, you know, have here, don't get me wrong. But in 2012, uh, I thought I had done all I could do at St. James. In 2012, I uh, at the beginning of the year, I uh, shocked my district superintendent and my staff parish relations committee, which is the team, the personnel committee at St. James, uh, telling them that I thought I had, do all, I had done all I could do at St. James. Now, at that time, we were in a different building, in a different location, about 1,000 feet that way. Uh, now, if you're online, you can't know where I'm pointing, but essentially... Uh, that way Uh, how's that Um, so I said that in I I said that in November Uh, by March I was hearing from my district superintendent that things weren't you know that if things were going to happen they would happen whenever they happened Uh, and by the end of the process of figuring out where to send clergy in May I got a call first from my district superintendent in the morning telling me uh, there wasn't a place to send me, and then later on from another district superintendent who became our bishop, uh, who said to me that the cabinet had discerned that I still had work to do at St. James. Well, needless to say, I took that as uh, an opportunity because during the six months when I thought I might leave, you begin to imagine what should I have done in the last 20 years that I didn't do? And so we began to be renewed thinking about it. In 2013, one year later, we decided to sell our uh, building for affordable housing where we were. We felt like that would be a good use of the space where we were and that we would move to a new location that God would show us. Do You see the parallels with Abram, with Abraham? We would move to a place that God would show us and open that door and we trusted uh, because I, some moments I thought we were crazy uh, we trusted that that would work out well it took we, we signed a contract in 2013 it took two more years before after all the studies that the affordable housing company actually physically bought us and on November the 4th of 2015 uh, well on November the 1st we had our last worship service In the old building and on November the 4th we closed on the uh, sale of the building and on November the uh, 8th we met for the very first time in temporary space at the Hermitage in Northern Virginia in their auditorium a retirement home and we met there for uh, about 18 months during which time we thought we had lost our mind to sell a perfectly good building and move into the chaos of uncertainty. But we did it anyway. And now we were in this uncertain, disordered time, waiting for something, waiting for something, waiting for something. Um, There was a little bit, as we wandered in the wilderness, grumbling, Uh, not, not from everyone, but there was some grumbling, I hate setting up every week, this is terrible, when are we going to get our own building, when are we going to, have? and eventually it, uh, it worked out and uh, God opened the door for us to move a thousand feet from where we were by a building that already existed from a church that we had partnered with over the years, All Nations Church of God, which is now located elsewhere, and to move in, renovate and move into this space. That's to say that sometimes life is ordered and you like it. Let's be honest as human beings, that's our favorite time. When everything is neat, we know what to expect, we get up at a certain time in the morning, Monday through Friday, we take our shower, we get in our car, or we get into the carpool, or we get on the bus, or we get on the metro, or whatever it is, and we go to work. We follow the same thing five days a week, and then Saturday and Sunday we have a plan. We do different things. We go to the pool. We go here. We go there. We go to a movie. We go to the bar. We go to the restaurant. And right now, none of that is uh, quite happening the way we're used to. And our lives are disordered. Add to that, uh, add to that the, the final, let's hope the final, upheaval of of our racist tendencies over the last 400 years that have finally boiled over. Uh, Who knew it would take 400 years for, you know, we thought we were fixing it, and it wasn't fixed. And so for 400 years, you know, we perpetuated the myth that somehow some people were less than other people. And it was a myth created by some people Who wanted to own other people. Uh, And shame on us, shame on us. However, uh, how do we move from a time of order to disorder while we're waiting for the reorder to come, the new emerging thing? I will tell you that our experience of selling a building, moving to temporary space, and finding a new space, this was a sort of reordering. But it required us to rethink everything, because our worship center is smaller, uh, the space was different, everything changed. Reorder asks us to look at things differently. And in this story today from uh, Abraham and Sarah, God's going to ask the same kind of thing of Abram and Sarah. Asked it a long time ago, but there are pieces of it that still haven't fully worked out. Chapter 18 of Genesis. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and he saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened, with, uh, hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abram ran to the herd, took a calf, tender and good, gave it to a servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where's your wife Sarah. And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season. And your wife Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh for she was afraid. He said, oh, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord for this morning. You know, back in chapter 12 of of the book of Genesis, God said to Abram, whose name has now been changed to Abraham, and his wife, Sarai, who has now been changed to Sarah, because um, they got name changes later on uh, at God's behest, said in chapter 12, You know, you know everything here where you are. I want you to get up and go to a place I'm going to show you. Uh, and just trust me. So Abram and Sarai got rid of everything, got on the road, and left the family and home they knew and headed off. And for a while they settled in Haran, and then after Haran, they moved on from there, and the next thing you know, they have settled into a place We're in chapter 18, it took six years, a number of lies by Abraham about his wife and other kinds of things, you know, for a father of three, uh, considered to be a father and mother of three world monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity and Islam, he's really kind of a mess. You know, he's kind of a mess. Uh, And yet, he's God's mess, which is kind of cool, I guess. Already in chapter 17, God had promised him a son, and Abram laughed. (laughs) And now we're in chapter 18, and Sarah laughs, because apparently Abram never got around to quite telling Sarah that God had promised that even though they were old and past childbearing, that they were going to have a son. This was part of the original promise, and it kind of threw a chaos into it. What do you do when chaos comes your ways? Well, if you're like Sarah or like Abram when he first heard it, you laugh. Initially, you kind of deny the possibility. You go into that denial phase. When the pandemic began... Uh, we began to think, oh, you know, it's easier to pretend like it's not a big deal. I can't even see the germs. Why do I need a mask? You know, we got so fed up with wearing masks and having shut everything down that people went to protest it, and it's not enough to protest it. They had to carry, a, you know, assault rifles to protest us losing our freedom. You know, by losing our freedom, it means business not open the way they want it. Um, And we entered into that period of disorder. Now the truth is we have no idea what it's going to look like on the other side. Neither does Sarah and Abram. How is this going to be possible? How is this going to be possible that they're going to get from here too old to bear children, have children, uh, or at least a child, a son, and by the way his name, their son's name, Isaac, means He laughs. (laughs) The laughing one. How are they going to get to that place? Well, it's not clear how they're going to get to that place. But you can't rush it. You can't rush it. Anyone who's ever had a child, and even if you haven't, you know it takes a while. (laughs) It's not something you just snap your fingers and it pops out of the air. Even when Mary carried Jesus, it was full term. It wasn't some miraculous, one day she's pregnant, the next day she's giving birth to Jesus. It was like nine months. It happens. It takes time. Here's what I know about us as human beings. Here's what I seem to think is true about Abram and Sarah when I look at them, is we like things to be orderly and neat. The beginning of the story, you know, they may not have a son, but at least they've got the promised land, they're in their tent, they've got plenty, uh, we're told that they got plenty of, you know, herds. They have plenty to eat. They have, uh, they, they're in the promised land. Everything they can see belongs to them according to God. It's good. You know, they have order. They know what they do every morning. And suddenly, unsuspectingly, God pops into the picture. Now, it's very interesting in chapter 18, verse one that it says that the Lord appeared to Abraham at the oaks of Mamre. That's where, that's where his tent was. That's where he was currently living. The Lord appeared. That's a narrator's note. At this point, I think it's pretty clear, Abram and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah do not know that it's the Lord that's appeared. They know, they look up and they see three, three people. Three people have appeared. Abram immediately makes room for them makes room for them and is hospitable to them. You know, we're told throughout the Bible that when we are hospitable to one another, when we make room for the other, we might be entertaining, according to Hebrews, angels unaware. You know, we might be entertaining God himself. If I believe the first John that we studied through the book of Lent, it's absolutely true. You know, when you do it to your sister or brother, If you love that brother, you're loving God. You know, we also know that from Matthew 25, you know, when we do it to the least of these. He entertained them. He made room for them, and not only did he make room for them, he entertained them lavishly. They had cakes. He took a calf, Uh, you know, and they had curds. I don't know much about curds, but apparently it was a delicacy. And he gave them water to wash their feet. He made them comfortable. He made them feel at home. He made space. It's the hardest thing for us to do sometimes in our lives, to make space for others and certainly to make space for God. Because God works in God's own time. God does what God's going to do when God does it. And you know, you and I are kind of like on a time clock, especially if you're watching this from America, if you're watching this from the United States, we live by the clock we look at it, you know, we were looking at the clock right before 11 o'clock this morning, and because of a number of little snafus that happened in the worship center, we didn't start at exactly 11 o'clock. The countdown timer started just before 11 o'clock, but we didn't start quite at 11 o'clock. And for those of you who are timekeepers in your life, that 1102 time slot freaked you out a little bit. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, when is... James and crew going to show up, whichever James it was, that you were thinking, when are they going to show up? It's the same way. You just don't know. So you just make a space. And you make the best space you possibly can, like Abraham and Sarah did. They made the best space they can. And sometimes when you make space for strangers, when you make space for the other, when you make space for God, interesting things happen. Now, sometimes what happens is more chaos comes. And that's exactly what happened for Abraham and Sarah. The next time I come by to see you, says one of the visitors, next time I come by, guess what? You're going to have a son. Abraham, who laughed in chapter 17, is not laughing now, but Sarah gets a chance to laugh because it seems impossible. It seems impossible. And right now, it seems impossible for some of us that the economy is going to recover, that we're going to emerge on the far side of racism, that we're, going to, that we're going to figure out how we can learn to love our neighbors and treat each other as truly equal in God's sight. How are we going to get there? We've done such a bad job of it for such a long time. How are we going to get to the other side? We don't even want to wear masks. How are we going to make room for people who are different than we are? We, we don't do change well. We like order. So oftentimes what we do when things get disorderly is we rush to reorder things. And that's a terrible mistake. That's a terrible mistake. Listen, this morning I, I was... Uh, I I bake bread for communion. I'm sorry you can't taste it. It's fresh. It it was warm when we brought it to church this morning to the worship center. Uh, But you have to wait. If it's yeast bread, you have to wait for it to rise. You know, I had to leave it in the kitchen, and I wanted to watch it for a while. I watched it, and I watched it. Nothing happened. Things were happening, but I couldn't tell it was happening. So that by the time I came back, you know, I, I took some time, I ate some breakfast. That was a good plan. And the next thing you know, it popped up. It had grown past the top of the, uh, the plate. But it took some patience. It took waiting. And then I could bake it. You see, for us, we're not good. We're not good at the waiting thing, at the patience thing, at the uncertainty thing. We want to rush to the order thing. Now, if I had immediately baked it after I put it in this pan, it would be wicked flat, this thick, you know, it might still taste great, but it wouldn't have those wonderful yeasty bubbles that kind of take time to happen. You and I want to rush to reorder, you know, in the United States, 22 states have rushed to reorder things. And the number of uh, cases of the virus is rising there rising. You know, I, I think we have to be careful about how quickly we rush from the disorder we're feeling because it makes us uncomfortable. It twists us a little bit inside. You know, I hear people say to me, I've had two people say to me this week, why can't the, why, why can't the protest be over? Well, because there have been 400 years in coming. 400 years in coming, you can't just snap your fingers and overcome institutional racism. You can't. It doesn't happen like that. There's got to be some disorder first before God can bring reorder, before we can find reorder on the far side. And if God can be patient, waiting for us for 14.6 billion years since the Big Bang... that's a long time to wait, if you ask me. You can wait a few months or years. Our African-American sisters and brothers have been waiting 400 years. Our indigenous sisters and brothers have been waiting longer from that. For us to say we are human, we are all truly human, Don't rush the reorder. Trust God, because you know what this text also says towards the very end? This translation, interestingly enough, says, is anything too wonderful? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? But the same word could be translated as anything too hard for God. Is anything too wonderful for God? Is anything too hard for God? Well, we could say no. And then we say, but why haven't you fixed it yet, God? (laughs) Or we could say yes. This is the beginning of a conversation. The time of disorder is a time for us to learn endurance so that whatever is the reordering that we've tried to rush so many times can come in God's time. You see, I believe in a God we can trust, a God of hope, a God who is worth believing, who can carry us through to the other side, even when we laugh, even when we think God has promised us the impossible. Truth and reconciliation is possible, forgiveness is possible, new life is possible. That's why we do this thing every Sunday morning, whether it's online or in person. We do it because we believe that over the long haul, God is working God's purpose in and through us, sometimes despite us. And God won't be thwarted. Is anything too wonderful for God? Is anything too hard for God? You're going to have to answer that for yourself. But don't rush the reorder because that becomes the new order that then becomes disordered and reordered again. God's constantly working. Whether it seems ordered or chaotic, God's constantly working. Trust that. Trust that.